Bible, get your sermon notes out. Let's start with, uh, with what I believe is something I call membership class. And this is membership class too. So if you're here and, and, and you're wondering what this is, well, I'm in a series and I decided that I needed to make sure I articulated what we believe as a church. And so this is kind of going to be used for people who want to join the church. So if you're in here and you thought about joining, this is going to be fun. So I promise you for the next 30, 40 minutes, you're going to think this is really a, a wonderfully simple but yet practical <coughs> insight into how we think as a church. And, and I, I, I don't know that you can ever succeed in anything if you're not clear about what you're doing and why you're doing it. If you don't know what your purpose is. Our purpose is, is uh, not to just be a gathering of people who sing some songs and then go home and say we had something called church. As a matter of fact, I think for a lot of people who are turned off to church, they're turned off because they, they don't really know what they believe anymore. Because when you look at what the church says and what the church does, they don't line up. And so in this discussion today, I want to uh, first review what we were, and then I want to take you to what we, we need to be today. <coughs> Ultimately, uh, the goal today is to talk about what we believe, but look back under review in your notes and notice the first membership class we had, I talked about something called, you can't go with me. Say that with me, please come on. You can't go with me. Now, don't feel awkward about me calling it a membership class. Don't get tied up on that. That's just what I'm calling it. Because it's designed for people who are members uh, and people who are friends who, who just kind of say, well, what are you guys, what are you about? What do you do? And uh, I, I want people who join our church uh, to have a basis and a clear picture of what we think. That's important. Go back to your family uh, tree and ask yourself, what does your family believe? Go back to your business where you work and ask yourself, what does your business believe? Sit down and get honest with yourself and say, do we live up to what we say we believe? Now, a lot of, a lot of times we don't. A lot of times we say one thing, but our actions say something different. And that's what can happen in the church. Over the years, it kind of wears away, and you forget your original purpose. You forget why you're designed, and you just start existing. Well, in our previous teaching, here's one of the things I talked about, and the title was called, You Can't Go With Me. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. You can't go with me. And what I did was I, I, I told you why some people may want, uh, why, uh, why has God, I asked the question, made you wait for your purpose? Sometimes in life, you were trying to get someplace, but you had the wrong people traveling with you. And, and, and the only way you were going to get to your purpose was to not take those people. So you dated somebody, you were married to somebody. No, I hate to say married to somebody. Take that back. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to give anybody a license here. But uh, and, well, and some people would say, I was married to somebody. I was married to somebody who wanted to party, didn't want to be faithful, didn't want to be committed to me, and, and they wanted to leave. And, and I couldn't make it work. There are people who would say, I worked on a job, and, and that company would never let me advance. I, I was in a place, and where I'm going, I couldn't take them. I could not take those people with me. Churches have to understand that. Everybody can't go with you. Businesses have to understand that. Families have to understand that. There's a cousin or two that just can't go with you. They definitely can't go into business with you. And so in the last sermon, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about this whole idea of, of making sure that if you're going to build a membership, if you're going to build a business, if you're going to build a family, build one that's going the same way you're going. 
And if you wonder why you never will get to your purpose, it's sometimes because you keep taking the wrong people with you. you. Your car is full of people who aren't really your friends. Your life is full of people who take up all your time, take up all your money, all your mental space, all of your mental real estate is taken up with, with things that aren't true. And I, I've had to learn that, and it's a, it's a tough lesson. And so what I did was I used Numbers 14 in our last study, and I, at verse 11, and I talked about three complaints that God dealt with with the people in Israel who were 20 and over. After they got to the promised land, they refused to go and, and fight, and, and he said, you know, I'm just really tired of these people. And there were three complaints he had. Number one, he said they were always rejecting me. They reject everything I say. Uh, if you look at uh, chapter 14, verse 11, the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? Then secondly, he said they refuse to believe me. How long will they, they not believe me? Then thirdly, he says they, they were never swayed by the signs. They saw plagues. They saw manna. They saw the Red Sea open. I mean, to me, anybody that opens the Red Sea, you got my attention. <laughs> but he said, with all the signs which I performed among them, none of it moved them. And so he felt like this is a group of people I can't reach. They reject me. They don't believe me. No miracle. Parents, you get this, right? You, you feed them. You house them. You send them to college. You buy them a car. You, do, it's like, you still don't like me. I mean, I mean it's amazing. You know, all the things you've done, I changed all your diapers. That's enough by itself. I mean, there's nothing I do. And so God looks at Israel and he says, you know, guys, nothing I did. Nothing I do. And, I, and here's what he concluded. They can't go with me. Everybody 20 and older, he basically said, you'll die in the wilderness. And here's what you learn. You learn that there's a moment in time when you just can't take everybody with you. And what gets you in trouble when you're in a business, building a church, building a family, whatever you're building, and you try to take everybody with you and cry because everybody won't go. Some people really just can't go with you for all kinds of reasons, emotional reasons, mental reasons. They just can't get it. And when you understand that, it helps you be better. Now, today, I'm, I'm going to switch back, and we're going to talk about something a little bit different because what we're going to do is talk about one of the reasons why you can't take those people with you. It's because they don't believe like you believe. And, and if you get this, you'll really save yourself a lot of mental anguish. A lot of people don't believe like you believe. There are people who don't believe in working. I mean, no, really, they don't, philosophically. And some of you that don't believe in work, you should probably confess it. I don't believe in working. I like, I like money, but I don't like to work. I'd rather steal it, rob it, swindle it, uh, but I don't want to work. I don't want to go in any job where I have to report it, you know, a certain time. I like flexibility. There's some, there, there's a, there are a lot of people, there's a lot, <laughs> oh boy, watch out, Temple. There's a lot of people, a lot of females who feel this way. They're, they're, they're not committed to building an income for themselves. There are a lot of men that are not committed. There are a lot of people who get to a certain place, because I get asked this, you know, so what are you going to do? When are you going to retire? And I'm not against retirement. I think it's a great idea. But, but it's like I'm supposed to, at 58, start planning to leave, like, in a month or two. And so... Some of you that are 70 are confused because you still want to work, and, and people make you think, you're still working? <laughs> and you say, yes, I'm still breathing. <laughs> so, so, and I'm not, against, I'm not against you not working or working. I'm just making a point. People tend to respond to you based on their belief system. And so you need to listen to what people tell you. 
Because what they tell you describes what they believe. And what they do, more than anything, describes what they believe. So I listen to words and I watch actions. And so if you were to look at our church, here's the question. What would our church actions say we believe? What would, what, what would when you listen to me preach, what would it say is important to me? I, I'll tell you what, what's, what the temptation is. The temptation is to impress you and to do a good job today. That, that can become the goal. And so every time I'm up here, I'm trying to get through the sermon so that you can say, what a great sermon. And whatever it takes, I'll do it because I believe that's important to me. I'll do whatever I have to. I might moan and groan if that's what's going to make you feel good, if that, if that works. Because the most important thing, I believe the most important thing is that I make you shout. And if you don't shout, then I fuss at you. Come on now. Come on now. Come on. You're dead. Come on. Come on. Because, see, in my belief system, that's the most important thing. Now, see, I'm different. Now, here's, what, here's, here's, here's the problem you have with me. I wasn't raised in church. So I didn't like church. And I hate being confused. So when I would sing preach sometimes like that, I would get confused and know where I was. So I stopped preaching like that because I, that's how I learned to preach. But I, I used to get mixed up. Sometimes I'd be someplace and say, hey, nah, hallelujah. And that's, that's called a filler. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Inside I'm saying, where was I? Where was I? Where was I? <laughs> now that's my testimony. That's me. Not every preacher. That's just me. I was lost sometimes. I, see, I now believe, I believe that my most important assignment is to make sure I don't raise crazy members. That I don't create a culture of warfare and fighting and tenseness and tension. See, that's my biggest responsibility. Let me jump out on something. I'm going to jump in and jump out. Ready? Jump in. Politics for just a minute. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to jump right out. What are you going to say? What are you going to say? You like it. Watch. My responsibility as a politician, if I was a, if I was a politician, is to do something that's going to help the country. Not, not to win. But I've got to find a way to help. If, if, I, if I'm a boss, my responsibility is to build a company. As a pastor, my responsibility is to build a church, to do something that's going to make the church helpful or strong long term. If I'm a parent, my responsibility is to build healthy children. That's my responsibility. It's not about being important. It's not about being significant. It's not about being right. It's not getting one up on you. It's not, if I'm married to my wife, it's about building a strong relationship. It's not about defeating her. My belief about those things will affect what I say, how I react. And so watch what I say and learn what I believe. Watch what I do and learn what I believe. Sometimes my belief has cost me money because I believe in being honest. My belief cost me time because I believe that that was more important than what I was doing. But, but I, I, I care about the person more than I care about my time. So I was late helping a person. What I believe, you can see. And so what, what do we believe? What is important to us? What's important to you? Well, let me show you what's important to us. You ready? Number one. Here's what's important to us. The scripture. The Bible is important to us. And I believe this big question for today is going to help us see the importance of Scripture. What do we believe, and how has it affected your life? What do I believe? That's my big question for today. 
and how is that affected by life? Now, if I believe in the Bible, if I believe in the words of Jesus, and I believe those words are guides for my life, that has a direct impact on my life. And Jesus said that. In John 14, here's what he said. He said, um, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in who? Me. And the works that I do, he will do also. You'll mimic what he did. If you believe in him, you'll do what he did. These works shall I do, and greater works than these you shall do. Skip down to verse 15. If you love me, you'll do what? Keep my commandments. So Jesus ties, this is important, he ties from his perspective your, your actions with your relationship with him. So if I believe you, then it will be reflected in your relationship with me. So a lot of people don't really and truly believe the words of Jesus. They really don't believe in Scripture. It's 80% it's you'll discover in our study here believe the Bible is a holy Scripture. But what you're going to discover is a lot of them don't apply it. So there's, there's, there's sort of like, okay, it's a great book, and it's got great information, and Jesus says some great things, but I don't use his principles and guidelines to guide my life. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, I believe in that, but I don't, when I, when it comes to money, I don't check with what he said about it. Or when it comes to responding to people, I don't, I don't, I don't check with what he said about it. In our church, we believe the scripture is the guidelines, the teachings of Jesus, are, they're the guidelines because I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of of what he said. So please note with me what we believe about the Bible and Scripture. And that's important. And that's your first main division. Watch this now. The Bible, and I do not spell basis. That's a spell wrong today, but who cares? Ignore it. The basis, a basis of our authority. And that's, you know, S-I-S, I do that. The basis of our authority. The Scripture is the basis. It is, it is the foundation of my authority to teach you anything. It's, it's, it's what you have to use in order to instruct people. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says this. Here's what the Bible says about itself. Repeat it with me, please. Say, all scripture, all scripture is given by, given by inspiration, inspiration of, God. of God. So please notice, what do, what, what do we believe? We believe that the Bible is, is the authority for all of our belief systems. Now, 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 now be, be careful about when you, when you hear that because... The Bible is not a science book. It has science in it, but its original intent was not to give us a science lecture. The Bible is not a, an architectural book. It doesn't give you guidelines on how to build buildings. It was designed to show you God's plan for a man from the beginning to the end. It, it's a plan to show you how to relate to God and how to, how to live your life in submission to him. So please understand, you may have... You may not believe that. You may have other scriptures and stuff you believe. That's okay. But I want you to understand, here's what we believe. And you've got to nail down what you believe. Now, what you do find when you start looking at all these other scriptures and all these other books, there's a whole lot of different views. There's a view about sin, view about God, view about salvation. So here's what I'm doing in our membership class here. I'm telling you what we believe. The Bible is our source. All scripture is given by inspiration. The word inspiration is God-breathed. God-breathed and is profitable for a doctrine. We believe that the Bible is God's guide for man, and it is profitable for a number of things. Here's what you use it for. Number one, you use it for teaching, for doctrine. Number two, you use it for reproof or correction. 
If I want to reprove or correct somebody, the Bible is what I use. The question is, what does the Bible say about the way I'm treating my wife? What does the Bible say about the way I'm working? What does the Bible say about those things? And so I want to know what it says. And that becomes then my map. It is my, what he says here, instruction for righteousness. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Instruction for righteousness. It gives me instructions about what's right and what's wrong. Verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's the big tool in my toolbox. It's what I pull out. It's what I use. So if I'm trying to figure out something, my wife and I have a disagreement, we're trying to sort out something, we back up and we say, okay, what does the Bible say about responding to this? Or what should my attitude be when I'm, in, when I'm, when I'm, I'm struggling? What does the Bible say about loving people? How does the Bible say I should love people? How does the Bible say I should engage people I disagree with? How does the Bible say I should treat people that don't serve God the way I serve God? How does the, what does the Bible say about family, about strife, about being a man, about being a woman, about being a husband, about being a child? That becomes my guide. Here's what's happening. We're getting away from that. And it's now it's kind of like multiple choice. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. here I go, and there I go. It's, it's just everywhere, everywhere. And there's not a lot of consistency. And so what happens is eventually your church, your family, your life, your business migrates away from a belief system. And you don't really have a source. You don't have a guideline. There's no, there's no basis for saying you can't cuss me out when you're mad. There's no basis for saying that, you know, we can't just, you know, do what we want to do. It doesn't matter whether we're married or not. It doesn't matter about our covenant. Nothing matters. There's no basis. And that's what's happening when you ask kids, when you ask why, why shouldn't you go, go to school, and it used to be clear, and, and curse out your teacher. You know, well, now kids say, well, I was mad. <laughs> really? It used to be, you, you know, the, the Bible says that's wrong, or you know that that's not pleasing to God. They go, well, you know, it's pleasing to me. The, the basis is completely gone. And you need to be careful about this because, well, here's what that means. Who says that? It's wrong. What, 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 what rule? What, where's, where's my foundation? Our society is confused now. You know, they, Ricky, one of the things that my son does is he goes to schools and he does these puppet shows. And one of the things they ask him to do is he does these things about character. And the puppets teach the kids how to have character, how don't cheat on tests, and how, how, how to be honest. And all of those things that used to be taught as the golden rule. All those basic things. And here's what what's really what concerns me about, about church. The day you stop believing in the Bible, the day you stop using the Word of God as your foundation, I want to know what you're going to use. I mean, just let's just pick something. Let's just go get a book out of the library. Just use it. It becomes a free-for-all. And so here's what we believe. The authority for our belief is scripture. Number two, the power behind our, our faith is scripture. It's the power behind our faith. Here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, that's an amazing reality because of the way the Bible is put together. Here's what God knew. God knew man would not get it right without a written document. He knew that I got to find a way, and he did. Forty authors over, over 1,600 years Pull together, and there's a whole study we'll do another time called Bibliology, where you, you study the origin of the Bible, how it all came together. But it's a phenomenal process that God wanted us. It's the most studied book, the most critiqued book ever written, and still the bestseller. And the goal of it is, 
to give us a guide. And so it becomes the power behind it. Paul said this about it. It's living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit. And it gets, very, it gets down to the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow of the bone. It is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are what? Naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Here's what I challenge you to do. If you, and, and don't just do this, don't just pick up the Bible and start reading in, in Numbers or something in Leviticus and get lost. Open your heart to Bible study, and here's what will happen. Start with the daily devotional. Just get a daily devotional and read it every day faithfully. And here's what you do. When you start just some kind of daily reading, you will be amazed at how the Bible speaks to you. But, but don't just, get, like I said, don't just get it and start reading it without a tool to help you. Uh, just some kind of study tool. Because here's what Paul said. What it does is eventually it pierces down to the very soul of your life. It pierces down to the very marrow of your bone. And it discerns things. It shows you things. How many times have you heard sermons and it speaks to you? And you say, man, that dude talked right straight to me. I mean, he was right up in my closet. <laughs> That's the power of the word. And here's what the Message Bible says about the same, same verse. God... And this, the, the Message Bible is like a more contemporary version. And here's how he said the same verse, Hebrews 4.12. God means what he says. What he says goes. His powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and obey. Verse 13. Nothing and no one is impervious to God's word. We can't get away from it no matter what. What he says happens. Now, here's what's happening, though. That's what he says about Scripture, but the world is changing. And so we're migrating away, and here's what George Barner and his group found. 80% of Americans identify the Bible as a sacred Scripture. But if you notice, and the second bullet point I have for you, being pro-Bible or being a person who respects the Scripture doesn't mean that you necessarily use the Bible regularly. So it's not a part of your, like I said earlier, your formula when you're facing trouble. You kind of you like it, but you don't really use it. And then you do something else that's even more dangerous. Not only do you not have the scripture, you isolate yourself. See, I believe that the scripture is my guide, but the scripture guides me to a way I must live my daily Christian life. It tells me that I cannot isolate myself. If I isolate myself, I run the risk of damaging my life. It's not good for me to be alone. You remember those words from God told, told Adam? He said, it's not good to be alone. Say it with me. Come on. It's not good to be alone. You are not designed to be alone. Now, I do believe in isolation because some of you say, wait a minute, Pastor. Didn't you say to me that success requires isolation? Absolutely. There are times and seasons in your life when you need to be alone. There are times in your day when it's important. Some things you don't do with anybody around. God designed you to have moments of, of aloneness. And I think those are valuable times. But as a whole in our life, we should not isolate ourselves. And that's what we tend to do. Which brings me to a very important point that I, we believe in. What we must do if we believe is I believe we must not isolate but come together. You have to find a way to come together. And there are two verses I want you to see that, that prove this. In Acts chapter 2 verse 40, 40, 41... 
the Bible said we should come together. Listen to what the Bible said the early church did. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They were taught by leaders. And they fellowshiped. The word fellowship is really a strong word. It means koinonia. They got together and they ate, communed, talked, laughed. It was a very powerful word. So it said they, they fellowshiped in the breaking of bread and prayers. Verse 43, then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Verse 44, now all who believed were what? Together. Say that with me. They were all what? Together. They all were together, and they had, they had all things in common, which means they shared their resources. They helped each other. Watch what, what he said. They sold their possessions and goods, divided them among all as anyone had need. Hey, they saw people didn't have shoes. They gave them shoes. They helped each other. It was amazing. If, 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 this was the community that God wanted to create. This is what scripture says is the way we should live as a church. Verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to what? They did not ever meet. This is important. They did not meet in a big cathedral and, 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 and like this. They didn't do that. First of all, the temple wasn't big enough to have some big gathering where all of them could kind of get together like this. 3,000 people came to Christ in the early church in Acts chapter 2. They didn't have a place, 3,000, then another 4,000 came to Christ, 7,000. They didn't have a place that big. They didn't have a civic center. They, so, so how did they meet? They met in small groups. Here's what's really important for us to understand. The early church was not a church like ours. I mean, I'm, I like this. This is fine. But we have to understand they got into small groups. You will never grow alone. You're going to have to find a small group of people who believe like you believe who can help you get to where you want to be. This can be a part of it. This can be a part of the process, but it can't be everything. So the Bible says they all came together in small groups, and, and they, they continued with one accord, verse 46, in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness, and verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. That's the priority that the Bible says you should have in your life. Then he says this, you should never forsake assembling. You should make it a goal to never, ever isolate yourself and forsake being with people. Here's what he says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 20, 25. Skip down to verse 25 with me. He says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another. That's your responsibility. We should never forsake assembling. Now, some of you say, oh, man, so, okay, so your bottom line then is go to church, right? Well, that's interesting, too, because let me tell you, that's confusing, because that's changed. Nowadays, even if we believe in going to church, and you're here today, so you must believe in it, <laughs> say amen if you're here. Amen. It's changed, because you don't come often. Here's, here's the truth, the new truth. You ready? The average person that's faithful to a church now goes at least once a month. That's the new norm. Maybe one time a month. Oh, but I got more confusing news for you in a minute. Watch this. It's, it's a hard thing for a lot of people to get to church because of their life. I mean, you have to work on Sunday. So you, you, you listen to me and you say, okay, okay, I got, I got the bottom line, what we believe, okay, what we believe. Believe in the Bible. The Bible says go to church. Okay, so that's the bottom line, right? Okay. But, Pastor, I can't do that. Because, number one, uh, I work on some Sundays. I don't have transportation. And, and some of you, 
have some incredibly good reasons. So, I mean, in terms of your life, schedule. And, and so, how do, you, how do you blend this? What do you do? Well, I'll tell you what you do. You back up for a minute and see the big message. First thing is, God is saying, don't isolate yourself. Are you an isolated person? Are you by yourself in your walk with God, trying to figure it out by yourself, and you're not really interacting with anybody? And if you're not interacting with anybody, here's what you don't have in your life. Someone to exhort you. If you look at verse 25 of Hebrews, it says, you want somebody to exhort you. You want somebody to be there to encourage you. You want somebody to be able to tell you. Verse 25 of Hebrews chapter 10 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another. Do you have anybody that kind of says, hey, don't go that way, go this way? And if you isolate yourself, there's nobody to do that. So you do what you want. I always see this with single people. When they fall in love, they isolate. They don't want anybody to tell them anything about the person they live with. So if he's crazy or she's crazy, nobody can tell you. Yep, now watch this. Have you ever seen anybody that you know that you love and you, you whatever, and they, they, a family member, and they bring somebody by for you to meet, and you look at them and you know that's the wrong person? <laughs> Raise your hand. You, you, you say, yeah, I know, I know. And, and what, what made them the wrong person? What made them wrong? What, 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 was, what did you see that they couldn't see? Now, if they're in here, don't say nothing, okay? If they're in the room, don't, don't say anything. Don't say anything. But if they're not in here and you can speak freely, don't worry, the camera's not on you. Just tell me. What, what now? Their actions. What else? What else? Their face. You said their face? Oh, oh, you said their face. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought you said, oh, their face. I see their face. That was enough. What else? What else did you see? The way they talk? What? what? Background. Oh, you knew the, how you know their background? You have FBI stuff. <laughs> but my point is, you know, you, you can tell. You can, you can look. And, and so... What you want, and this is why God doesn't want you to isolate, is because there's nobody to exhort you. I call them stoppers. You have locked out all stoppers in your life. There's nobody to say anything to you about anything you do, and so you make all your money decisions. Oh, God, I can tell you that's a bad choice. Jesus. Oh, if I can go back, I'm telling you, I've learned the power of group talk. I can make decisions. I'm a, I can, I'm, I'm a thinker, but I've learned, listen, let somebody look at your money. There's nothing like letting somebody else look at your money every month. Let somebody else look at your budget that's good with money. Let somebody, that's why some of you will never be financially free, because you just, ah, it's my money. You broke. <laughs> don't you know you broke? You don't have any money. You don't, you don't have any cash. You won't tell anybody. You won't let anybody show you, help you, get, help you get out of debt. You got more credit cards than you share. You won't even tell us how many you have. You know what I mean? You've been tricked by all these people. And I understand. I get it. I'm standing before you some perfect guy made all the right choices. I'm saying to you that I've learned one thing about letting people exhort me. You know, I'm, I just, I just, I just, I'm, I'm so clear about that. And the scripture warned me. Temple, don't isolate. Don't become a preacher by yourself, sitting on some island, just you and Ricky Temple, and overcome by faith. You don't know everything. You can't, you can't establish a missions program by yourself. You don't know what you're doing. Not by yourself. You're too isolated. You're too alone. And then you complain about it, but you're not opening the door for anybody to come in. I mean, it's really hard. It's hard 
sometimes to help people because they don't want anybody to exhort them, and that's why they don't come. Now, some of you who are streaming in, you're like really confused now because you're saying, can I raise my hand, preacher, because uh, I know everybody in the building is, uh, they're holy because they're in the building. Are you saying that I should, um, I should come to church and not just stream in? Well, let me show you something if you're streaming. Watch this. Okay. How many of you at some point in your life, at some point in your life, have streamed in to a service to watch it at some point? Raise your hand. Put them up high. Put them up high. Okay, great. Now watch this. That's about everybody. Now watch this now. How many of you know somebody that's streaming in to watch it from another place, another city that you know? This service, watching this service. Raise your hand. You know some people. Tell me where they're streaming from. New Jersey. Where else? South Carolina. Raise your hand so I can tell you. Where? South Carolina. South Carolina? Atlanta. Atlanta. Where else? California? Back there in the red? Yes. Um, Charleston, South Carolina. Charleston, South Carolina. Where else? Minnesota. Queens, New York. Atlanta, North Carolina, Abu Dhabi, yeah, they are. Hey, Abu Dhabi, yeah. Louisiana, Virginia, St. Louis, back in the back, way in the back, white, got your arm up back there waving. Tell them I'm talking, yes, right, yeah, you, right, I can't see. Yeah, where else did you say? Okay, good. That's it. Where else, yes? Pa Paris? Is that Paris, Georgia, or Paris? <laughs> Paris, France. Really? Hey, France, what's going on? All right. Where, where else? Yes. D.C. Now, now think about that. Yes. Iowa. Yes. Tacoma, Washington. Now, now here's what I want you to see. How in the world could we reach all those people? How could we reach all those people? And in the last service, it's more than that. They named about 40, 50. It's amazing. It was so many in the last service. It was, it was amazing. <laughs> And I, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, so the world is changing. So these people who are streaming in, we're talking about the importance of being here. Here's what's happened in the world. Being here has changed. It's been defined differently. And that's the way it is in a lot of our lives. So for a pastor, here's what, here's what pastors like. We like to count you. One, two, what's your number? Come on. Bring it on. There you go. Hallelujah. Come on. All right. We like that. But here's the problem. You staying home. And, and, and so we're struggling now because we're, we read this verse about assembling together and we are, we are, if we're not careful, narrowly defining what it means to be together. And here's what's happening. It's a book I love. It's called Digital Disruption. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Digital Disruption. Now, it's a geeky book. You can buy it if you want to. It's your own risk, but it's a nice book. Because here's what the bottom line of the book is. The digital disruption is happening and I can't control it. Because hundreds of people, as many people as are in this room are watching, or more, and I can't control it. And 3,500 people will come on after this is over with this month and watch the sermon. 5,100 people a month are touched by us. About 1,000 in the building and the rest are touched online. 20% of the people we touch now are in the building. I have to understand that that's changing. 60% of our money comes outside of the building. So what does it mean to gather now? It's being changed. And here's what, here's what I'm learning. I have to change. I can't keep the same definitions. You'll learn this with your children, in your business, in your life. You have to change your definition. You have to grow up. I can't say, well, you, you're, not, you're not getting credit for church because you're just streaming. No, I can't say that anymore. 
Because here's what streamers say. Streamers say, and Barry knows, streamers say, I have notes, I heard the songs, and I sang. I'm listening to the sermon. What's the deal? How come I don't get credit? That's why we're moving towards some online membership. Because they're not, some of them are in all the places you name. But they watch us faithfully. Well, shouldn't they go to a local church? Some of them don't like local churches. I wish that weren't true. But I don't control that. Because some of you have moved to cities and it took you a long time to find a place. It took a long time. And here's what streaming does. It opens up a gate for us. It opens up a gate to touch thousands of lives. And so here's what's confusing for me. And this is my issue. My issue. I, can't, I have to change. I know what the scripture says, but I have to evolve. Life forces you to do that. You can, you can read something in the Bible, think you got it all nailed down, and you got it so clear because you know the Bible and what the Bible says, and then all of a sudden, your wife moves from 30 to 40, and you got a whole new definition. Your children are no longer younger, and the Bible says they should obey their parents, but now that means something totally different when they're grown. Everything moves. Here's the question. Are, are you clear enough in your heart to let your beliefs grow? And let your mind expand beyond the way you see it. See, as a church, this is new, and a lot of friends of mine are struggling. I had one friend, he cut off streaming. He said, that's it for streaming. You stay at home, click off. <laughs> that didn't help him. But that becomes how we live. Sometimes we get a little bit confused because we know what we believe. We know what we think. And the Lord said, I know what you believe about being a husband. I know what you believe the Bible says about being a wife. I know you think you got it all nailed down. But pause for just a moment and ask yourself, has my world changed? And am I afraid of it? Am I afraid of allowing God to broaden my mind and broaden my view? Can Ricky Temple be okay if, if we don't have everybody in the room every week? But here's the powerful thing. The key is that we're still an army. And some of you will fight in the building sometimes. Some of you will fight online. Some of you will send it to your friends. It will be a, a mighty army. Maybe we're going to spread all over the world. Maybe we're going to become amazing. Huh? Maybe we're going to become an amazing group. Now let's clap our hands and say amen to that. huh? Maybe we're going to become this amazing group. Maybe, maybe, maybe what you thought your job would be is not going to be your job anymore. Maybe you thought you were going to work in some office, but maybe you're going to work at home. Maybe your belief about life is evolving. My view of membership has changed. My view of what it means to connect with people has changed. Maybe your view needs to change. Maybe you are so fixated and you have one way you thought success was coming to you. And the Lord says your belief system is too narrow. I want you to broaden your mind. You know, one of the amazing things Apple has done, which I think is amazing, is they have whole departments that work at home. The people who hire you are at home, the HR department. The people that are training you are at home, training you online. The people that, um, that are supervising them, all the tiers are at home. Nobody is in an office. Churches tend to get behind. We tend to struggle with change. And I think some of you are struggling with change. What do you believe? It can only be this way. God can only do it one way. 
You still saying, I don't have email, praise God, and I'll never get it. And you proud, you proud of that. That's like telling somebody you don't have a mailbox. That's how they think. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just trying to tell you that's how they think. You know, I, I, I like clothes. I'm a, I'm a clothes guy. I really do. I like suits, too. And I'm telling you, I, I, you know, some suits I, I was wearing, it wasn't until I <laughs> took it to a tailor, and she, she looked at me, and she, she commented, well, you got a new type suit. That's nice, because them old suits. <laughs> no, people don't tell you until you get something new. You know that, right? You know, some of you, 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 know, you, simple things in your life, you believe it has to be one way. I saw a guy the other day, this is the truth. He had on some clothes, and I just, I was confused. I said, dude, that's got to be from 1972. <laughs> and I mean, he, 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 but he was, but he was, let me tell you something, he was styling, though. He had that thing on, he was, you know, he was working that thing. It might have been 1972, but it was a bad 72. I mean, he was, he was leaning and styling. And, I, and in my head, I just, I, I, I. You, you know what I'm saying? But he believed. Here's my prayer. Lord, don't let me look like that. Jesus, please. Give me somebody to exhort me. Help me get around some people to tell me. To change my look a little bit. Maybe my hair been the same way. You know what I'm saying? And, and you know, it's just, I, I, I told me you know, your hair start patching and stuff and stuff. I told Diane, if it get too bad, I'm going to cut it all off. Y'all come be bald head. Bam. <laughs> Whatever the truth is, I want to accept it. I want to embrace the new me. I want to embrace the future. I want to be the kind of church that has, that has a progressive mindset. Whatever God's going to do, if it's online, if it's in person, if it's in the field, if it's in the south, if it's in the north, wherever God wants to be, I want to join him. Come on, say amen. I want to join what God is doing. <laughs> Father, I pray for people today who've heard this message. I pray that those who who are sitting there and they're in, in families and the family, it has a belief system. But the belief system is negatively affecting the family because nobody's changing. The way we dealt with these kids, the way we dealt with money, the way we dealt with ourselves, we have to change. The way we define fellowship. It used to be our kids came by every day, but now that they're older, we don't see them every day and that's okay. That's okay. The way I define love with my wife cannot be, she's not, she's not 24. The way I define success has to broaden. It can't just be one way and I can't evolve. Some of us are stuck in a place. We're depressed about something. God says, that doesn't even matter anymore. That doesn't even matter anymore. And Lord, help us, help us to see we're, we, we need to grow past all that. What do we believe, Jesus? Do we believe your word? The Bible says grow in grace. The Bible doesn't want us to be stuck. You, you knew all these changes would come into the world. You knew we'd have covenant conflict. But you have a plan for us. I want to pause the prayer. I want you to look at me for a second. God knew you'd have covenant conflict.
You got a covenant to go to sleep, but you got a covenant to get up early and get work on time. You got a covenant to get your kids ready, but you got a covenant to take care of yourself. You got a covenant to save money, but you need to spend some money to improve your house. You got a lot of covenant conflicts, and God knew you'd have those. And he has a plan. I love what Jeremiah 29, 11 says. I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. So if you've got these conflicts, here's what I want you to do. You ready? Look at the bottom of your notes. Build a strong spiritual discipline outside of church, outside of the building. If you're home streaming, build a strong spiritual discipline outside the church. Read your Bible. Pray. Grow. Number two, make a real effort to get together with others like you. Find small groups of people you can fellowship with. Number three, understand that God sees through all your words, all your circumstances, and all your insecurities. God sees all my fears and insecurities. He knows why I'm acting that way. He knows why I'm reacting to things the way I'm reacting. Because he says, Temple, you're insecure. God sees through all that, and God understands the plan he's got for my life. Jeremiah 29, 11. He wants to give me a future and a hope. Can you lift your hand with me, please? Come on, say a future. Come on, say it like you mean. Come on, say a future, a future. and a hope. Lord, we leave this service today thanking you for this time. We pray that the words that have been said would bring life and help to your people. May they leave here saying, Jesus, you make the difference. May they leave here with a clear vision in their life that you care about them. And God, what they believe affects their life. It affects everything that they do. It's a statement about their relationship with you. And so, God, I pray they would put your word at the, at the helm of their life and that what you say becomes a guide to them. And in our church, that's the key to our long-term survival. Without your word, we have no basis. We have no authority and we have no power. And so I, I thank you for the gift. And I thank you for your guidance. And I pray for peace for every heart in this room. Some people are really struggling with this, this covenant conflicts. They, 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 they've tried to balance exercise and eating right and all the things and cooking the food early. And, and they're struggling. But God, give them peace. It's okay that it's hard. It's okay that it's not easy. And may they find guidance and grace as they go. May they take a step back and say, let me renegotiate all of this. And let me take one thing at a time. And when it doesn't go perfectly, may they say, it's okay. God knows it's not perfect. It's okay. And may their belief system in your word be, be full of rest and peace. No more guilt. No more shame. There's no condemnation. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. To those of us that are in Christ, every day of our lives, we're tempted to feel we fail. But God, we thank you because we believe you are our success and you know our hearts in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. 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 Come on, give God a praise. Thank you.